Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. I want to read one scripture up front, John 15, John 15 and verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I want to preach a message to you today titled, The Precious. The Precious. Before I do, I'd like to pray. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the revelation of your heart, the revelation of your purpose that is revealed and found in Him. I thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit manifesting and revealing Jesus to lives and individuals here and those listening. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would make much of Jesus, that you would make much of this community, that out of us, Father, you would be glorified through much fruit. God, help us to embrace the call to fruitfulness. Help us to embrace the seasons of pruning so that more fruitfulness would take place. May in all things you be glorified. May your word run swiftly. I yield to you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. The scriptures open with the creation account. God blessing Adam and Eve. God saying to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it. The history of God's old covenant dealings with the people he chose and brought to himself is told as a vine dresser, planting a vineyard and expecting a harvest of fruit. The book of Psalms is arranged in such a way that Psalms 1 sets the framework of being blessed to bring forth fruit in season. And the righteous one prospering and whatever he or she does. The gospel accounts start out with Matthew telling of the ministry of John the Baptist, crying out in the wilderness for people to bear fruits worthy of repentance. The book of Acts starts with Jesus' words that it is not for the disciples to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but that now is a season of supernatural empowerment for witness and for fruitfulness. Paul summarizes the transition in our approach to God from the old covenant way to the new covenant way, saying, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another, to him, to Christ who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Jesus said the kingdom of God was taken from the nation of Israel and given to a nation, the body of Christ, made up of neither Jew nor Gentile that would bear fruits worthy of it. Jesus in his last moments with his apostles so that there was to be no confusion about the matter tells them before his betrayal, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. It's as though to ensure we do not miss this major theme of God's eternal purpose that no matter where you were to start reading Scripture at, you would have to be spiritually blind to not see the emphasis and the call to fruitfulness. Whether you start in Genesis, whether you start in Matthew, whether you start in the prophets of God's vineyard called the nation of Israel in the Old Covenant, whether you start in the book of Acts, whether you start with the New Testament understanding of Paul, we would have to be spiritually blind to miss the major theme of fruitfulness. And yet so many do. So many do due to distractions or due to religion or due to the man's teaching or due to a gospel of the centrality of man instead of a gospel of the centrality of Christ. So many miss the call to fruitfulness. But I believe we're a church, we're a people that by the power of God's Spirit, we won't miss the call today. We won't miss the call to fruitfulness. We won't miss the call to fruitfulness in the days and in the times that we live. The earth has changed, surely. But it's the same purpose, fruitfulness. 
The earthen vessels on the earth have changed since sin has occurred, but it's still the same purpose for us, fruitfulness. We may live in different days, but it's the same duty, fruitfulness, to bear fruit. See, sin has changed a lot on earth and in humanity on the earth, but it has not changed what is precious upon the earth. Can I say up front today that the fruit of God's kingdom, the fruit of Christ being manifested is still precious on the earth? That fruitfulness and spiritual kingdom fruit is precious. It is precious. It's like James said in James 5 and verse 7. He's talking about us waiting for the coming of the Lord. And he says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Now that might seem unique to us in America in 2018. We don't seem to have to wait for much. We have a itch that needs to be scratched. We have a hunger pain that needs to be fed. And we run to the, the grocery, we run to the store, and we get that food that we were hungering for. But in agricultural economy and agricultural societies and agricultural communities understand that the farmer has to be patient, has to be patient. James says, therefore, be patient like the farmer. Notice how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. Farmers understand that the fruit is precious. The fruit is precious. Fruitfulness cannot be controlled by industrialization. It still takes the early and the latter rain. It still takes the provision of God for fruitfulness and for crops and for corn and soybeans to come to harvest. Likewise, the fruit of Christ on the earth is precious to the Father. I'll say it again. Just like the farmer who lives based off of the harvest coming, who doesn't get paid, Unless the harvest comes, likewise the fruit of Christ on the earth is precious to God the Father. Fruit is precious because it glorifies the Father. Can I hear an amen? Fruit is precious because it's not common. Can I hear an amen? Fruit is precious because it stands out on the earth in the midst of a rebellion against God. A rebellion started by Lucifer and yet followed by all of humanity where we have all turned our own ways and sought our own will and sought our own glory, sought to be the centrality of history and life, and yet Jesus Christ stands as the key central figure of history. He stands as the precious fruit of the earth who hung between heaven and earth for you and I, that Christ crucified is God's wisdom today for your victory. Christ crucified is God's power today for your deliverance. Christ crucified is still the hope of the nations that peace and righteousness and justice will in the end flourish. Though we wait for it, we wait for the precious fruit of Christ to be manifested in situations, in homes, in lives of family members and friends today. Fruit is precious because it is not common. Fruit is precious because it is the work of faith and patience of the righteous. Fruit is precious because it's costly. It's costly. In fact, the word precious, part of a, a synonym of the word precious is costly. See, what makes something precious is that it's not common, it's costly. There's value to it. The difference between the fruit I'm talking about and the fruit that helps visibly illustrate the fruit I'm talking about is this fruit is plastic. But kingdom fruit is precious. It is precious because it's uncommon. I think about growing up at Christmas time and as a young child in my family, we, you take turns. <laughs> it's, a, it's a long ordeal. But you start with the youngest and it goes around to the oldest and then you start round two. So you're waiting to open your gifts. And I remember as a child waiting to open my gifts and uh, growing up there was these things that a lot of the women in my family would get. Thank God I never opened one. But the women and, and many others really had a value to it. It was the precious moments figurines. Boy, it was a hit back in the day. You, you bought someone a precious moment figurine, I mean, you, your friendship with them just elevated a little bit. But th what these 
moments, it is, it's like this fruit. It, they were figurines. They were not plastic, but they were ceramic. But they were illustrating these precious moments of life. These uncommon moments of marriage and having a child and graduating high school or graduating college. Or these precious moments, figurines. Well, I want to tell you what is precious moments on the earth is moments where the fruit of Christ manifests through our life. That what is precious on earth and what's precious in Woodstock and what's precious in Atlanta and what's precious in America and what's precious in the nations of the world is the precious moments where the invisible God becomes visible, where the kingdom of God breaks in, where Jesus is manifested. These are the precious moments. Leaves a different taste, a different smell, a different encounter in the lives of individuals who have smelled the smell of death and the smell of depression and the effects of sin for so long. But when the precious moment of Jesus Christ getting manifested, oh, it's so valuable. It's uncommon. It's uncommon. It's what many refer to as the anointed moments of life. Anybody know an anointed moment in your life where God touched you, God worked through you, God touched a family member, God did a miracle, that we're not ashamed of the power of God, right? That we're not ashamed that we serve a God that still does the supernatural, that He can still intervene beyond the natural laws that He created, that we serve a supernatural God that can pour out supernatural favor in the midst of what we're going through. Hallelujah. I feel the preacher today. See, godly fruit is expected for all followers of Christ. It's expected. This is what we saw in Romans 7 and 4. He says, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead. See, marriage in the context of what Paul is talking about in the Hebraic culture and the culture of his day was very important because there was something that was considered very precious in the culture of the day. It was called having children. But see, their culture was different than our culture today. In their culture, they, they had an acceptance and an understanding that there was no bearing children without marriage. So marriage was esteemed very high because marriage allowed what was also esteemed very high to be possible for children to be born. It was a context of understanding the value of marriage so that there would be the value of being able to bear children. Paul says we now are married to Christ, but it's in the context of his day and Jesus' day of the value of marriage. And what is the value of marriage that Paul's talking about? That it's this marriage to Christ that allows fruitfulness to be possible. Why is fruitfulness important? Because Jesus said the Father is glorified by fruitfulness. Oh, if we can have a group of believers, if we can have a group of people today whose main aim and passion is for God the Father to be glorified. Oh, the amount of fruitfulness the Lord could do through us. That our main aim is not for us to be glorified, not for us to be comfortable, not for us to be satisfied, but I'm talking about the main aim and passion of our life is for God to be glorified. You've heard me say many times the difference of what begins to happen in corporate gathering and worship when we sing songs not about who we are but about who God is I'm telling you songs that has the aim that God would be glorified have a different different anointing than songs that have the aim of us being the center of it I'm telling you everything stems from that pure foundation that sincere faith that says above all else may God be glorified in Jesus Christ but he says that you may be married to another to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. Notice, godly fruit is expected for all followers of Christ. It really comes down to biblical faith versus a religious faith that is hypocritical, that is plastic. See, no godly fruit equals not following Christ. Oh, but Pastor Chad, wait a minute. I'm a believer. 
Well, there were people who believed in Jesus while he was on the earth but were unwilling to confess him with their life because they loved the praises of man more than the praises of God. We have to ask ourselves today, is that me, is that you who is here and who is listening today? Jesus' call is to follow him. Yes, believing in him is an aspect of following him. But following means that I don't know where to go unless I listen to the one I'm following. I don't know what to do unless I keep my eyes on the one I'm following. In the, in the phrase, follow me, there is a dependency built within that I don't know what to do unless I keep my eyes on you, Jesus, my King and Lord. I'm married to Him that I might bear fruit to God, that God would be glorified in and through my life, that God would be glorified in and through this community. See, Jesus said, you will know my followers by their spiritual fruit. And you will know those who do not follow me by their lack of spiritual fruit. Jesus said, there are two trees. There is either a good tree or a bad tree. Good trees bear good fruit and there's bad trees that bear bad fruit. That is the simple truth on what appears to be such a complex matter. I'm here today asking, are you following Jesus Christ as your king? I'm here today asking, are you following Jesus Christ as your Lord? I'm not asking, do you just believe in Him? I'm asking, are you following Him as your King and Lord? I want to tell you my personal life of growing up in the church that there's a difference between the path and the lifestyle and the ways and the conversations and the mentality of Chad Craig when I just believed in Jesus versus when I was following Jesus as King and Lord. I'm telling you, there's a stark difference. There is an absolute stark difference, and it's the same today. I want to stand today still saying that faith works. I want to stand today in 2018 still proclaiming that faith works. That biblical faith works. That biblical faith flexes fruit in our life. That if we really have a biblical faith that leads to following the king, the one whose name is above every name in heaven on earth and under the earth, that it leads to fruit being formed in our life. Biblical faith leads to fruitfulness. There's no way around it to be faithful to the testimony of Scripture, to be faithful to the spirit of truth who enlightens us on what Scripture means. But nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He really find faith on the earth? Will He find faith in earthen vessels of our life? Will He find faith in my life, in your life? Well, I want to stand today saying He will if we will not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, if we'll not stand in the path of sinners, if we'll not sit in the seat of the scornful, but instead delight ourselves in thus saith the Lord, we'll delight ourselves in His law for our life, His word to our season, we'll be fruitful. We'll be fruitful like Psalms 1 says, that we'll still bear fruit in season. What is the law for us who is now in the new covenant? The law equates to Jesus, our pattern. The firstborn among many brethren, it's who He is. That is our law. We know what to do. We know what we're called to do by seeing Jesus. We know who we are. We know our identity by seeing Jesus. He is the blueprint. He is the model. He is the one that we all who are born again children of God have been created in that image. The law is to hear Him. Oh, when you have a community that seeks to hear God above everything else. To hear God above what the news say, what friends say. Small minds, perceptions of what's happening on the earth and the nations. But when we hear, thus saith the Lord for our season. Oh, to have a people that understands that God's word to our season causes fruit to come about no matter what's happening around us. That God's seed is an incorruptible seed. It can absolutely bear fruit in a corruptible season in corruptible circumstances and corruption around us. God's seed can still bear good fruit. Can I hear an amen? There are types of scriptural fruit. But all fruits are fruits of righteousness. What does that mean? It means all spiritual good fruit 
are the result of being joined to the root of Christ and being in a right relationship with Him. It all comes down and starts with what Pastor Craig spent most of last week talking about. The root of our identity in Christ, the root of being joined to Christ. That we're no longer slaves, but we're sons and daughters of God if we've been reconciled through our faith and our response to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the claims of God concerning Him, that He alone has the words of eternal life. He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. He alone is the door that we can come boldly into the Father's presence to receive help and mercy in a time of need. This is what Paul said in Philippians 1 and verse 11. Look at it with me. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Notice all fruits are fruits because we're in right standing with God through Jesus Christ, because we're joined to the root Jesus Christ. It all fruits are by Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor Chad, I'm going through difficult times and I don't know how to experience peace. I don't know how to have joy in the midst of suffering. I don't know how to have mercy when I myself am hurting and, and dealing with issues. I tell you, the only way is by Jesus Christ today. I want to stand in 2018 right here in July and say that there is no other way to godly fruit than Jesus Christ. There is no other gospel that bears fruit but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy of His name. He alone is to be praised. He alone is to be our focus. Can we give Jesus Christ praise in the gathering of the saints today? And it's by Jesus Christ that God be glorified. That God be glorified. So that all fruits are fruits of righteousness. There are different types of fruit. There's what the scriptures refer to as the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5 and 22 it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. See, one who trusts and depends on the Spirit of God instead of themselves is precious. They're precious because through them the precious fruit of the Spirit is manifested. Something more precious than gold and silver. Something more precious than trades that need to take place or what's going to happen with the stock market and insider information and how the economy is going to go. I want to tell you there's something more precious than that type of knowledge. There's something more precious than those things. It's the precious fruit of God's Spirit on the earth. Oh, you can't put an earthly value upon the fruit of God's Spirit. The fruit of His joy and His peace. Can't put a value on it. It is precious it's uncommon among the common things of life. Faith in the Spirit of God is costly, but it is precious and it works. See, in our humanity, we're always looking for a plan or seven steps to what will work in life. I'm going to tell you what will work. Christ crucified. Learning to trust not in your ability and your humanity, but in the power of God's Spirit that can touch your life because Jesus was crucified and raised victorious for you to be married and joined to Him. It works. Faith in the unseen Spirit of God still works in 2018. Trusting in the competency and the ability of God still works in 2018. There's also what the Bible refers to as the fruit of the womb. Psalms 127 verse 3, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Now I want to give a clarification. When you begin to read through the Old Testament and you begin to read through how the Old Testament saints and the people that lived during the Old Covenant, how they responded and interpreted God's old covenant ways and interpreted God, you got to understand that they had mostly an outward focus. This is what you learn from the earliest book of Scripture, the book of Job. That humanity at that time, they had a complete outward focus that if 
everything's not going right outwardly, then it must be something's wrong with you and your relationship with God. The New Testament is not like that. Paul says that the natural comes first, but then the spiritual. The natural comes first and then the spiritual. See, we as a church have a value that we trust the Spirit of God to put in all our hearts and minds of molding the foundations of many generations. In the Old Testament, to to be barren meant you lived under a weight of shame and reproach. But the natural comes first, but the spiritual significance of what the Old Testament was communicating is found in Christ. And what it's saying is, is that spiritual barrenness for the one who claims Jesus as Lord brings a sense of shame because it's not natural to follow Jesus and to be unfruitful. To be married to the king of kings that has all the resources of heaven, that has all the power and ability needed for life and godliness, to be married to him, to have access to his spiritual bank account, to every promise that's yes and amen, and remain barren? No, 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 no. But see, what spiritual children in the new covenant is equal to what was valued in the Old Testament of natural children. What it means is that God has called us through our marriage with Jesus Christ. He's called us to trust Him, to empower us to bring about spiritual children. That every one of us in here at some point of following Jesus, that Christ would work through us, that we would at least be used of the Lord to bring one person to the saving knowledge that Jesus is King. That none of us would stand before the Lord without the spiritual fruit of spiritual children. Oh, the great fruit of this church is the spiritual children. Spiritual children that are being shepherded and molded by the Word and by the Spirit into the image of Jesus Christ. In fact, in Psalms 49, the psalmist contrasts that there's people that have all the outward signs of what a the Old Testament people considered God's blessings. They had good homes and healthy family and children and good success in their business, but the psalmist said that those things are meaningless if you have them without an understanding. An understanding of what? Of what the true blessing really is. See, the true blessing is not what happens on the outside because the true blessing is first being married and rooted in Christ. And then anything Christ empowers us and changes on the outside, we live with an understanding that it's because of the God of the gospel that we have that in our life. That is the foundation of our faith. That when people look at our life and they're like the Old Testament people, they think, oh, look at this, and your life's great, and they value things that they see. We direct them back to what they don't see is that we're married and rooted in Christ and that's just the fruit of His goodness in our life. That we don't take credit for it, that we don't just get people focused on what they see in the natural, we get them to focus on what they don't see, that it's because we're married to Jesus that things have changed in our life. That you don't understand when he found me, I didn't have that. I didn't have that. That that wasn't in order in my life. But through following Jesus, he began to change and rearrange and touch things in my life. See, the understanding is I'm blessed because of the God of the gospel. That's number one. What the true blessing is, is I'm blessed because of the God of the gospel. This is what you see in Genesis 1, in Psalms 1. I'm blessed not because I'm perfect, but because of His perfect grace. I'm blessed, this is the root of the blessing, because my sins and my transgressions are not held against me. My failures are not held against me. That is the root of the blessing. When we say I'm blessed, it's not just because things are going good on the outside. The core of the gospels, I'm blessed because my creator longed to be my father and he made a way through Jesus Christ and him crucified to deal with my sins and transgressions so that they would no longer keep me from a relationship with him. I'm blessed 
I'm blessed because of the God of the gospel. The good news. You think about in the beginning, Adam and Eve. Before they ever did anything, they were blessed by God. That's what Genesis 1.28, and God blessed them before they did anything. Before they did anything, God blessed them. That's the gospel. We have all turned aside to our own ways, and yet even when we weren't seeking God, God was seeking us that we are blessed by God first. We love because what? He first loved us. See, Adam and Eve knew by sight that they were blessed. How they know by sight? The glory, the light of God was upon them. That's why they did not know they were naked before they sinned. Every animal and everything on the earth knew they were blessed by God because there was a visible light, the presence of God, the anointing that's called the light upon, was around them and upon them. Animals bowed before them. They lived in a perfect world, a perfect environment to succeed. They knew by sight they were blessed. But listen, we don't live in that world anymore. So we must know now first by faith we are blessed before you see things change in what's taking place around you. That's why the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. You've got to have faith that you're blessed before you see through circumstances and natural things the blessing of God. You got to see it first for what the blessing is. I'm blessed because of the God of the gospel. I know by faith that I'm blessed before I know by sight that I'm blessed. Meaning if you only look to what's happening outward to determine if you're blessed, you'll never get to an unshakable life. You'll never get to a place where you're established in the faith Colossians 2, rooted and built up in Christ, who is your stronghold. It starts with this, I'm blessed because of the God of, of the gospel. Secondly, I'm blessed because I can hear God. I'm blessed because I can hear God. In Genesis 1, they heard God. God said, be fruitful and multiply. Psalms 1 says, you hear God, you'll be fruitful. I'm blessed because I can hear God. I'm in a right relationship with God that when I face circumstances and trials and situations and when I go through things, I'm blessed that I can hear from God and word, one word from God can shatter my fear, can remove my doubts, can pave a way, can bring clarity, can tell me which way to turn. And when you obey the word of God, I assure you it will turn out the way God intended. Hallelujah. We're blessed because we can hear God. God's words like a seed. A seed that is incorruptible. A seed that is a guaranteed harvest if you'll hold fast to the confession of what God has confessed over your life, over your situation, over your family, over what you're going through. We're blessed because we can hear God. Notice God said to Adam and Eve, yes, we live in a different earth, but we have still the same speech. The speaking Creator God, our Father. God says over our life, be fruitful. God says over our life, occupy till I come. God says over our life, have dominion where I placed you. Multiply. See, in God's speech is the seed to multiply and be fruitful. What you need above all else is to know you're blessed because God remembers your sins and transgressions no more and He longs to puts you in right relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. And what you need above else is to know you're blessed because you can hear from God. You need to hear God above everything. You need to hear God above the news. You need to hear God above updates and Twitter feeds. You need to hear God above everything else. One word from God can sustain you for years. One word from God can change the whole trajectory of things. One word from God can change a family lineage. One word from God can change a business. One word from God to a person can change the effects of singleness and, and fatherlessness in this community. I'm telling you, we are blessed because we can hear from God and God can speak to our lives and His word can cause fruitfulness to abound in this community community. Fruit that will remain. Hallelujah. And then we're blessed 
We're blessed to be in right relationship with God. We're blessed that we can hear God because we're in right relationship with Him. And we're blessed all in that what? To be fruitful and multiply. That God would be glorified in our life. See, in the fruit is the seed for multiplication. It's like God says over our life as, chi- as His children, be so fruitful that there's so much multiplication that you have dominion where I've placed you. That you just leave fruit everywhere. That if people, if they're going to reject Christ, if they're going to continue to live in the rebellion, they're going to do it with with fruit being squashed between their toes. They're going to do it with the fragrance of fruit in their nose. They're going to do it with the sound of God's goodness and gospel in their ears. Be so fruitful that you just leave the manifestation of Christ wherever we go. I think about on our property, we live in in woods, and I think about just within the amount of couple years we've lived there, how each month, each season, it's like the the pine trees and and the blackberries and and all the things just get an inch closer (laughs) to where we live. It's like nature's constantly inching, inch by inch, to have dominion. I have to stand and with a lawnmower or a weed eater or something that I can get to work, cut it back. And I think about how you have different mentalities in the body of Christ that they look at the darkness, they look at the depravity, they look at the rebellion in society and the loss of a common awareness of morality and right and wrong and we see darkness inching, inching and inching. But right in the midst of darkness seeking to inch, we got to understand that we are blessed to occupy. That we can still hear from God and we can push back darkness in the areas He's placed us. That yes, the last days might be difficult days and evil seeks to inch closer. But listen, we don't have to get focused on what we see in the natural. We can listen in the invisible world to God's Word of how He can empower us to be fruit, to be a blessing. To withstand darkness in the area He's called us to occupy. You are to occupy on your street. You are to occupy on your home. You are to occupy in your neighborhood. You are to occupy in your business. You are to occupy at your work. You are there as one to occupy in the midst of a a crooked and corrupt generation. Occupy God's light and goodness. Fruit being there. This is why faith's important. It's so easy to look around at what's happening and become feeling hopeless or despair. That's not what God says for us. That the earth may change, the season may change, we might be in the last days and the days have changed, but our calling hasn't changed. We're called to fruitfulness. We're called to fruit bearing. There's also what Scripture calls the fruit of our words. The fruit of our words. In Proverbs 13 and 2 it says, A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth. But the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. Our words is a type of fruit. It reveals where our hearts, trust and dependency lies upon. Do we depend on natural knowledge and the knowledge we can get from the news and media outlets and people around us or do we depend on the good news? of what God's already done for us in Christ Jesus. That Jesus Christ and His kingdom is already here. That God has a seed and has a promise for every need that we can live in life and godliness for His glory. In Proverbs 18.21 it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Our words will bear fruit. The question is, is what type of fruit Will our words bear? The type of fruit is dependent on what type of words we speak. Words that are in line with what God's spoken over our life or words that are in line with what other people say. Listen, I want to tell some people here today, if you're born again, you're not like other people. You're blessed because God does not remember your transgressions and sins anymore and you're blessed because you can hear God's perspective of your situation. You might need like Elijah praying for a servant. You might feel like you're surrounded by the enemy and surrounded by darkness and it's inching closer day by day, but you need God to enlighten your heart and enlighten your eyes to see that there's great 
greater on the inside of you than what surrounds you. You need God to enlighten your eyes to see that greater is God that's for us and with us than anybody that would be against us. Then the Bible speaks about the fruit of our doing. The fruit of our doing. Jeremiah 17, 10, I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. The fruit of his doings is what you see there is also referred to the fruit of our ways. It's what the scripture also refers to as the fruit of our hands. So there is fruit of our words. There is fruit of our production of spiritual children or we have natural children. But there's also the fruit of our doing. It's like in Proverbs 31, 31, it speaks of that proverbial wife. It says, give her of the fruit of her hands. The fruit of the hands, the fruit of our doings. This is what the Bible calls our good works. It's what the Bible speaks of our kingdom works. There is the fruit of our doing. God wants to, by His Spirit, empower us because we're now blessed to have His words in our words, to have His anointing and help upon our hands and the fruit of our ways and the fruit of our doings. That's what Psalms 1 says. That you would be prosperous. That means that God's will for you in each area for you would succeed. you got to understand you serve a good, good, perfect Father. Why would He call you to something and then want you to fail in it? No, no, no. When God puts you in a place and calls you to a place, He wants to empower you to succeed in His will through you in that place. This is the confidence we have in Him. It's not a confidence in ourselves, but it's a confidence like Paul the Apostle said in 2 Corinthians 3, that our sufficiency comes from God. I'm not sufficient in in ourselves or of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. I want to tell people today that what you need and what you're going through is you need the gospel to herald again to your heart and ears. That God is your sufficiency through Jesus Christ. God's not asking you to be sufficient. God's asking you to trust that He's the sufficient one. That He alone is to be glorified. That He alone can be trusted. Cursed is the man that trusts in his legs and puts trust in man. But blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, God's faithful today. He's faithful yesterday and He'll be faithful tomorrow. But let's look at what Jesus said in John 15 and verse 2. In John 15 and verse 2, Jesus says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. You can't talk about fruitfulness. God's blessing and call to fruitfulness without talking about pruning. Scripturally, minus the fact of experientially in my own life, you see here that pruning happens after there is fruit bearing. He says that every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. But that means his pruning happens after there's fruit bearing. So you can't say if you've came to Christ and never had fruit of words and fruit of your doings and the fruit of your ways and fruit of spiritual children. I'm mean, just in a season of pruning. No, no, no. Don't work like that. It's fruit bearing then pruning. So if you've labeled your entire Christian walk of following Jesus as pruning, we're here to set things straight today. There is no pruning until after there's fruit bearing. See, when outward activity slows, pruning activity flows. Experientially, what it means is when God finds a vessel who understands what it really means to be blessed, and because of that, the aim becomes in their heart that, God, I want you to be glorified above all else in my life. I want you to be glorified 
above all else in my life, when God finds that aim, what happens is fruit begins to happen in their life. He begins to show them opportunities that they can do good works and the fruit of their words can encourage and the spirit of prophecy to edify and build up and stir up and help up people around them can take place and the fruit of their words and spiritual children and and ministering and molding the foundations of many generations and they're running and all this fruitfulness and all of a sudden it's like so many things that they were fruitful in and doing it's like all shuts and stops. What's just happened? When activity slows, when activity slows, pruning activity starts to flow. God is pruning after the activity of fruitfulness to prepare for more fruitfulness. See, when outward activity ceases, inward pruning begins. You know, when When you prune fruit trees, we have several. But when it's time to prune fruit trees, there's not new fruit on the branches. It's after the fruit that then you prune the branches so that in the next season of fruitfulness, the branch bears more fruit. It's like if you've ever had surgery. Doctors don't operate while you're at work doctors don't operate on you while you're at work doctors don't operate on what needs to be operated on while we're running around town doing errands busy with life no 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 no. activity must cease Psalms 23 has you ever got it the Lord is my shepherd he makes me lie down in green pastures He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Only then does He restore our soul. Only then does He prune. When it says He makes me lie down, that's a picture of grace. Just like He made Abram when He cut the covenant to lie down and fall asleep. And God established His faithfulness that I will empower fruitfulness out of you. See, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And in the pruning, we get in that posture of realizing, God, I know you've called me to fruitfulness. I know you've called me to occupy, but I can't do it on my own. He says, yes, that's why Christ was crucified. So that He can get on the inside of you, and He can empower and do it through you. Then He says, He leads you by still waters. That's His voice. Hearing Him. But notice what Jesus says there in John 15. He says, You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. It's very interesting. He's assuring them of their identity and their security. That you're already clean to us. What it means is you're already a child of God. You're already regenerated. You're already a son and daughter of God. I need you secure in that identity. So now when I start pruning, you understand that it's not, it's not that you're not my child. It's so that you as my child can bring more glory to me. You need to be pruned. What is he saying to the disciples? He's saying, listen, you remember when all the other disciples walked away in John 6? Peter says, where shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. You alone have the words to be in right standing with the Creator, our Father. You alone have given us the message that you're the bread of life. You alone are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's the acceptance of Christ that has cleaned them in spirit, just like we are cleaned through regeneration. But we still need to be pruned. Did you know in the ASV and other translations that pruning is translated as cleanseth? That he who bears fruit, the Father cleanses. Cleanses what if you're already clean in spirit? Cleanses the soul. You're already clean in spirit through my word, but I need you to abide in me to bear fruit. And abiding primarily deals with the soul. Pruning is the cutting away of our soul life so that Christ's life can live through us. 
Pruning is the cutaway of depending on our own knowledge and the knowledge of the world and the knowledge of news and the knowledge of skeptics and the scornful and the mockers. It's the cutting away of all that to hear the mind of Christ about the matter. The cutting away of depending on our own will, our own ambition, our own ability to know right and wrong. The cutting away depend on Christ. Christ is our law. This is why John the Baptist, Jesus, and Paul taught that true repentance bears fruit. Those who have truly repented bear fruit. Why? Because true repentance is a change of mind. True repentance is a change of attitude. True repentance is a change of the preference of the soul, the preference of the will, in a matter. It's the cutting away of the old. And an invitation of God to bring the new. What this means for you and I today in conclusion, it means fruitfulness is connected to willingness. And what it means for me as a shepherd and a five-fold minister here at this place and to the body of Christ is it means that it speaks to the very thing that I cannot touch with my own ability. Your will. All I can do is speak and present that Christ would manifest that you would become willing to submit to the Father's design of you to bear fruit. To embrace the cause of the precious fruit of Christ being manifested on the earth. Are you willing for God to be glorified in your life? That's where it starts. Fruitfulness. It also means fruitfulness is connected to our surrender, surrenderedness, if I can use that word, to how much we're surrendered. What today do you need to surrender in faith and in trust towards God who's faithful? It's interesting, Jesus in the parable of the sower, he's Mark 4, 20, it says the fruitful, you know what they're described as? As having accepted the word. Accepted the word of the kingdom. What that means is fruitfulness is connected to our mentality. You have to accept the cost. You have to accept the cost of the precious in your life. You have to accept willingly you got to have an expectation of fruitfulness in your life. That God is working towards His glory. My fruitfulness in Christ. You have to accept today the word of the kingdom that you're blessed because of the God of the gospel. You're blessed because you can hear God. You're blessed because God's word produces fruit in us. And you're blessed to be fruitful and multiply. See, we're not saved by good works, but we're saved for good works. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says the good works were prepared beforehand for you that you should walk in them. The moment you got born again, God pre-planned fruitfulness for your life. That we should walk in them. There it is again. That's the expectation. Will you accept it today? Will you accept an expectation that fruitfulness, the blessing of God is going to empower me to fruitfulness in my life? Where is our faith today as our church? Where is your faith today for your life and your future? Maybe we need to repent. Maybe we need a new picture of our future. Maybe you need a new picture of your future, of your marriage, of you. That you will value the precious over the plastic. That we can be real disciples, fruitful disciples. We don't have to fake it. We can be empowered. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.